John chapter 14, beginning at the first verse. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, it's one of my favorite chicken rum. And if you haven't seen it, you should go and totally, totally go and see it. It's a great movie. Uh, good evening. Uh, very warm welcome to you, to St. John's. Uh, I think Davis has introduced me already, but just in case you forgot, my name is Aaron. <laughs> uh, I'm assistant minister here at St. John's. Uh, welcome. We, we live in a very troubling time. I wonder what troubles you right now. Uh, what troubles you before you come to church tonight? Uh, what troubles you during the weekdays? Uh, those chickens were troubled by knowing that they ended up being made into chicken pies. Uh, maybe you are troubled by the ongoing rise of living costs. Uh, maybe you're troubled by all the ongoing wars between countries. Maybe you are troubled by your family member or a close friend of yours. Uh, maybe they are not doing so well. Maybe they don't know the Lord yet. Uh, maybe you are troubled by, by the AI technology. Uh, you wonder when robots might eventually take over the world. Or maybe you are troubled by the safety around the neighborhood. Uh, did you know that Ken Camden is the second most dangerous borough in London? You didn't know that, did you? Uh, the overall crime rate in 2022, last year, was 132 crimes per thousand people. Uh, that's 60% higher than the national average. I was uh, a victim of one of the neighborhood crimes myself. 
two, just two months ago. Maybe I'll tell you the story later, another time maybe. But to be honest, big or small, all those troubling thoughts are earthly worries. Have you ever wondered what might happen if you were to die tonight? Well, for, for a long time, I was troubled by that thought. You know, the whole meaning of life, that kind of thing. Because even though I was born in a Christian family and grew up going to church, for a long, long time, I just wasn't sure if I was to go to heaven, uh, if I were to die right there and then. Well, guess what? Even Jesus' disciples uh, didn't know. Jesus' disciples who, who followed him for three years had, had doubts. Last week, we celebrated Good Friday and Easter. So we've, been, we've seen how Jesus how the Lord had to suffer and die on the cross for our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins. But he was raised on the third day. That's Easter Sunday. Uh, let's say a quick prayer before we move on. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus Christ, your Son, so that through him we can know you. Open our eyes and our hearts so that we might see you and come to know you as we see Jesus and put our trust in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you still have your Bible open on page 1082, and if you just take a glance to the section just before chapter 14, so that's the end of chapter 13, you see that after Judas, the betrayer had gone out to inform Jesus' whereabouts. Jesus began talking about himself leaving. Uh, Jesus giving them, the disciples, uh, his farewell instruction. You know, love one another so that people will know they are uh, Jesus' disciples. And that kind of farewell speech is all very troubling. You know, understandably, because the disciples had been with Jesus for around three years, um, going everywhere with Jesus, and suddenly Jesus says to them, where I am going, you are not to follow, you cannot come. And this probably made Peter and the disciples feeling very uncomfortable. So Peter broke out in silence, Lord, where are you going? And if you've ever taught at uh, a nursery, or if you're lucky enough to be someone, some, some child's first ever, first time sitter, uh, you might have experienced some sort of desperation firsthand. Mom, where are you going? Dad, please don't go. Yeah, yeah I've been, been there myself. It's quite, quite fun, actually. Uh, <laughs> you, 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 because you, you see parents uh, of those children uh, trying very hard to reassuring uh, the children. Don't worry, we'll be back really soon before you know it. Uh, Jesus says, do not, let your heart, do not let your hearts be troubled. How? Uh, the antidote to having a troubled heart is 
have faith. Jesus says, believe in me the same way you believe in God. Uh, verses 2 and two to 3, Jesus dealt with their anxiety, not by suggesting them to fight or to flight. Instead, he talked about heaven. And Jesus speaks of heaven as a place where there are many rooms. And in fact, the word room is actually usually translated elsewhere in, in the Gospel of John as home or dwell, dwelling place. Because rooms sometimes feel a bit small. But home, on the other hand, captures the idea of permanence. It's not like you book a hotel room somewhere and you go and stay for a few, few days or a few months on your holiday. But a place of permanent residence. So if you like, we could say there are many homes, many places, many places for residence in my father's house. And I'm going to prepare one of them for you. When my parents uh, were moving the whole family over to New Zealand when I was in my year seven-ish, uh, my dad was the first to fly over to Auckland to find a house for us, sort out all the furniture, buy a car, and have all the things set up first before my mom and my brother and I would go and join him. And I wasn't worried at all because I knew where he went and I knew what he was doing. So all Jesus has done here was to assure and point towards a permanent, uh, a, a permanent state. If it weren't true, I would not be telling you about it. In fact, if there's no place, what's the point of me telling you this? I would have told you already. Because the reason I go is to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, And if I prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you there, so that where I am, you can be there with me too. So when you are with me, your hearts will no longer be troubled for good. And verse 4, uh, it's even better. Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Huh? But do, do we really? Do we, do we know the way? Well, I, I didn't. The disciples didn't seem to know the way either. Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Thomas' response here in verse 5 makes us wonder if he was really listening. Jesus just told them that he was going to his father's place to prepare homes for them. And he didn't seem to catch that. He was asking, Lord, where are you going? So on to our second point, I am the way. Jesus replied saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is making it quite clear to Thomas that the place he referred to is the Father's house. That's where he was going. And Jesus says, he himself is the way to God. Have you ever heard people saying, all oh, religions are the same? 
they are simply different paths, different ways to the same God. So when Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me, he's saying he's the only way to God. Don't you think Jesus' claim sounds a bit arrogant? See, all religions claim to have an absolute truth. And each of the religions will show you a way to follow in order to get to their version of heaven. And take Buddhism, for example. Uh, Buddha claimed to be a way shower. He showed the way to nirvana, but it was up to each follower to find his or her own way, his, his or her own path. But Jesus did not come to just show the way. He, he claimed to be the way himself. While Buddhism teaches that salvation comes through Buddha's teaching, Jesus taught salvation is found in him. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life, he was saying he alone is the one who can give eternal life. He is the source of truth and life. Now, we're talking about Jesus sounding very, very arrogant. But you know, you know this already. Jesus has actually been very logical here. And he loves to engage with people's logic, logical minds. Uh, a friend recently told me her story when she was dating her uh, then non-Christian boyfriend. Uh, she, she tried to help him to see that Jesus is the only way, but he was quite stubborn. So she took him uh, to one of the tallest high-rise buildings in her neighborhood on one of their date days. You know, nice and sunny, clear weather, high, high up there, very beautiful view, it's all sounding very romantic. And then she took him up the last set of stairs to the top viewing deck. Then she blocked the doorway to the, to the stairs, uh, the only way in and out of the, the viewing deck. Either you admit this is the only way out or you are going nowhere. And, and so her, her boyfriend finally understood what Jesus meant when he said it's the only way. Salvation is found in no one else. Uh, Luke wrote in Acts. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You see, if what Jesus said really is true, then he really is the only way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Or if what he said isn't true, then it was all, all but a lie. If that being the case, you'd better go home tonight and start doing some serious research. Because if Jesus wasn't telling the truth, then why are you even here, wasting your time? Uh, you're wasting your time following him. You're putting your life in serious danger because you've been misled by Jesus into nowhere, maybe even into hell, if he was telling a lie. You better, you'd better quickly find out which way leads to God before it's too late. Uh, verse, verses 7 to 11. After Jesus gave his radical claim, he goes on to say that 
Knowing him means knowing the Father as well. Philip, being a bit confused, trying to put what Jesus said together, he asked Jesus to show them the Father. You know, you'd have heard people saying things like, seeing is believing, so show us the Father. And what did Jesus say in verse 9? Don't you know me? Even after all this time, I've been among you. Jesus didn't say, after being with you all this time, you still don't know the Father? No, Jesus said, don't you know me? And he made it very obvious. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And this is a striking, striking claim to, to deity. Uh, verse 10 and 11 further clarifies and verified Jesus' claim about who he is. What Jesus said here is actually a repeat from chapter 10. If you have time, just read back to chapter 10 yourself. <clears throat> See, up to this point, Jesus had already announced several times that he is indeed God himself. He said earlier, I and the Father are one. And people around then understood what Jesus meant. And they wanted to stone Jesus on the basis that Jesus was calling himself God. And that's, that's blasphemy, uh, according to them. So, the people made no mistake. They understood what Jesus meant. So here Jesus says to his disciples again, You should have recognized that I and the Father are one. And if you still have doubts, believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Do check those works out. Who else has calmed the storms and waves? Who else has opened the eyes of someone who's born blind? Who else had fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish? Who else has brought someone back from, from the dead? And who else has the authority to forgive sins? And what Jesus said here demands our response. And it's okay if you still have doubts. Jesus totally gets that. But don't just sit, sit here and do nothing. Please go and check out the evidence of his works. Ask other Christians around. Ask them how Jesus has changed their lives. Ask them to share their stories with you. Then maybe you will know that Jesus really is God. Not only did Jesus make the way possible, but he also promises to forever be with and empower all who follow him to live the life that pleases God. Which takes us to our final, final point. Uh, verses 12 to 14. In addition to, to the hope of heaven and an understanding of who Jesus is, we were given the privilege of prayer. Um, we're going to work it backwards from 14, verse 14, just to be different. You can ask Jesus, you can ask God for anything in Jesus' name, and he will do it. But you probably have reservations about Jesus' promise here. Because you've asked for a lot of things in Jesus' name that haven't happened, haven't you? Give me a Ferrari. In the name of Jesus! 
You see, asking, asking in Jesus' name is not simply just add this phrase in the name of Jesus to our prayers. You could call that uh, spiritual abracadabra. No, asking in Jesus' name means asking in harmony with his character and his personality. For the name speaks of nature. Uh, if you remember the story from, from the Old Testament, when Jesus, sorry, when Moses asked the Lord to show him his glory. So after the Lord hiding Moses in the cleft, uh, in the cleft in the rock, and as the Lord uh, passed by, he revealed his glory and proclaimed his name by making his nature known to Moses. So if, if I'm praying, a Lord, what I really need is a million pounds so that I could buy a house, you know, help me to win the lottery or whatever. I'm really not praying in the name of the Lord, no matter how many times I call on the name of Jesus. Are we praying in line with the character and the nature of Jesus? Uh, is what we are asking bringing glory to the Father? Verse 13, that's what it means to pray in his name. Otherwise, the thing I asked of really only brings attention to myself and therefore brings God no glory at all. Finally, verse 12, Jesus promised those who believe in him will do the work he has been doing and will do even greater things. What Jesus promised here is extraordinary. You see, Jesus told us that we'd continue to do what he's been doing because he is going to the Father. We were to continue pointing Jesus, pointing people to Jesus, pointing people to God, just as Jesus himself did. Because he is going to the Father, he could then send his promised Holy Spirit to come to dwell in the hearts of each of his followers. We are able to do greater amount of work that Jesus couldn't because of being limited by his, his earthly body. Precisely because he is going to the Father, he now works through all who believe in him through his Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't believe that you could do greater things than Jesus. I don't know, maybe you have that doubt. Um, let me tell you a story to end. During a, a testimony time, a testimony session, in a Baptist church meeting in 1952, it's a while back, uh, Reverend Francis Dixon met two British sailors. Uh, who Those two sailors had never met each other before. But they shared similar stories of how they became Christians. They both encountered this little man um, in, in Sydney, Australia, on George Street. Uh, this, this, this little man, this mysterious white-haired little man uh, appeared out of nowhere and approached them on George Street and said, said to them, young man, if you were to die tonight, where would you be, in heaven or in hell? And that question left such a deep impression in their, in their hearts and minds 
that they both sought spiritual help afterwards. And eventually they both became Christians. Dixon was fascinated by this story. So on his preaching tour later that year, he just decided to share that story uh, with others. Just, you know, it's just wonderful how amazing God works that way. And then to, to Dixon's amazement, many people came to him and said they too encountered this mysterious little man on George Street when they visited Sydney, uh, Sydney Australia. And as a result, they all began seeking and eventually all became Christians. And in fact, in the next few months, Dixon encountered 10 people over three, continent, three continents who had come to Christ as a result of this little man. So Dixon began to link all the stories up, managed to track down this mysterious evangelist. His name is Frank Jenner. Uh, Dixon told Jenner about those people's story of how they came to know Christ. And you know what? Jenner confessed, Jenner told Dixon that after he became a Christian 17 years before, um, he was so grateful for Jesus for, for saving him. So he decided to speak to 10 people each day. But Jenner didn't know how to share his faith. So all he did was asking that same, same question. Uh, if you were to die tonight, where will you go? And he did that faithfully for 17 years. Um, so when, when Dixon brought that news to Jenna, Jenna was in tears, praising God. He said to Dixon, you know, I've, I've never heard that anyone I've ever spoken to had, had gone on for the Lord. And, and two weeks later, Jenna died. Uh, Dixon estimated that over the, the years, Jenna probably directly and indirectly influenced over 100,000 people. And Jenna didn't know until two weeks before he, he passed. And that, that's just an example of what doing even greater things look like. Uh, it is Jesus' intention to extend his work of the Spirit beyond himself to all believers. But none of that can happen if he were not to go. So let's um, have a moment of quiet and think about what's troubling your heart still and how might Jesus' word give you comfort and assurance? How is Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life gives you confidence that you are secure in, in your relationship with God? How might you be trusting Jesus to use you to do greater works? And what can you be asking in his name for, for God's glory? And know that whatever you ask of him, he will do it. I'll close us in prayer after a moment of quiet. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you once again for Jesus who guarantees us a place in your house. Thank you that through him 
we can come to know you. And we get to know you, to see you, and to experience you daily through Jesus. Help us with your Holy Spirit so that our love for you would grow and that we, we would know your heart more and do things, even greater things, that might bring glory to you. Thank you for listening to our prayers and thank you for answering our prayers. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.